So today we want to continue on with our songs of summer. And I want to talk about Psalm 34. And we had a really cool song that was supposed to play at that moment, and it's not playing. So pretend that you just heard an amazing song, and it was like, oh, summer, it feels so good. Okay, okay, it's there. Thank you. Thank you, Al. Appreciate that. Uh, have you, how do you know that you are blessed? How do you know that you're living a life that is blessed? If you go to a Christian bookstore, if you go to another, even non-Christian bookstores, and you talk about the blessed life or how we are blessed, a lot of it will talk about when things are going well, when, when the children are doing well, when uh, our resources are, are, are up to the top, we have the money that we need, our, um, our health is good. And those are all true. You know, we are blessed. And, it, you know, one of the things about doing missions trips, I think about the missions as we do, we realize how blessed we are in the United States on the fact of resources. But what if we're poor? What if we're sick? What if we're oppressed? What if we're in all these situations? Are we still blessed? And I think within Christianity sometimes we don't think so. We think, well, we're still trying to get the blessing because right now we're not blessed. We're not blessed because we're poor. We're not blessed because we're oppressed. We're not blessed because we're sick. But David, in this psalm today, is going to be talking to us from a time that he has just gone through a very difficult time. And he's going to talk about what it means to be blessed. What it means and how we can be blessed people. And we could be living in a horrible situation. We could be living in a time where we are struggling with poverty. We could be in a time that we're struggling with sickness. And we can say we are blessed. This is the, this is the contradiction that, that it is the faith of God. Is that we know no matter what is going on, we are blessed. Whenever we pray for somebody, it's important to understand that God answers every prayer. He doesn't always answer it the way we want to. But God is with us in every single step of our lives, which makes us blessed. We, we don't, there's nothing that's going to happen tomorrow that God can't handle. God's not up in heaven going, ooh, I hope that doesn't happen because I don't have a plan for that. God has it all planned. So what is, it, what is the way to a blessed life? And again, this, is not, this could be a little contradictory to things that you've heard in the past, but I'll stick with the Bible on this. So uh, the way to a blessed life in Psalm 34 the first thing we think we need to understand is if we look at Psalm 34, 1 through 3, and we start with, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Now, he talk, talks here about blessing the Lord, boasting in the Lord, magnifying the Lord, exalting his name. There's a concept that what we do in this area will help us to be blessed. Understand, if you read the Psalms, if you read David's Psalms, a lot of the times he will be talking about, I mean, David is so, one of the things, the great thing about the Psalms, and I think we all need to be studying this in our regular uh, devotions in our lives, is they are brutally honest. They are, my life stinks, honest. I mean, there, I mean, sometimes we think of the Christian life. What are you supposed to say when somebody asks you how you're doing? I'm doing fine. Especially in a, I just went to our, our National General Conference 
with all pastors, what are you supposed to say? Everything's going great. Everything's going great. How about if you were just honest? You know, it really stinks. You know, not doing well. My board hates me. Um, you know, the church hates me. Um, you know, just whatever's going on in your life, I'm fighting with sickness and all of this. But, and what David, what's interesting about him is he will say this, but he'll always end his psalms with, but I will trust in God. I will bless God. I will trust in him. And so he will go through this, and you've heard the people that complain. It, I mean, there, there are people that complain, and what do they end with? More complaining. That's, that's the common way, right? You know those kind of people because we try to avoid them. We see them and we're like, oh, please, God, let them go some other direction. Please, God, no, I can't take this right now. But what if somebody says, you know what? I don't have a job right now. I'm struggling right now, but I'm going to bless the Lord in all times. They just told you what's going on in their life, but they've also told you their perspective and they've told you what's going to happen. And he is saying, I will bless the Lord. It does not have, his praise shall be continually in my mouth. It does not say his praise shall be there when things are going well. When my kids are not driving me crazy. Or, just for the record, equal opportunity, when my parents are not driving me crazy. Okay? When my job is working out. When my resources, when my car is running correctly. When my health is good. It says, I will bless the Lord in all times. I will bless his name. His praise will be continually in my mouth. And so the first step to living a blessed life is that we must bless God. Now, what does that mean? Because if I say today, I'm going to bless somebody here, that usually means I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you something that you don't have. So if I was like Oprah, you would just reach under your seat right now and you would all have a new car. Okay? Don't reach. Well, you can reach under if you like to, but there might just be some gum down there or something. But you could say that I'm going to bless you. And when I, but with God, what blessing means is that we are aligning ourselves with the purpose and will of God and the plans of God. We are putting ourselves in God's design and will. When we bless God, now this concept is so difficult, and some of your translations, they will change the word bless here. They'll say extol, or they'll use other words, because the concept of, well, God doesn't need anything. You think it's bad to buy something for somebody who doesn't need anything? We all have somebody in our lives, and it's their birthday, and you're like, they don't need anything. Try to buy God a present. He created everything. Here, God, what did, here, give me your Christmas list. You know, I mean, it's, it's really hard. But we're supposed to bless God. And how do we bless him? With lining ourselves up with what he desires for us. And when we do that, things happen in our lives. When we line ourselves up with God, when we exalt his name, when we magnify the Lord, things change in our lives because we are on the path that God wants us to be on. Now, as we've talked about, especially when we always go to the Apostle Paul, or we even talk about David, uh, or, we, or many of the people in the Old Testament, New Testament, everybody, it wasn't like their lives were perfect. But Paul said, I would rather be here in the will of God than any other place. David, I want to be in the center of God's will no matter where it takes me. You know, the safe route for some people is just to stay away from the will of God because it might be hard. 
the hard route with God is the best route because he will be with you continuously and your life will be continually blessed because you are with him. And you may say, what does that mean? Well, look at Paul. Lost everything. He had it all before he became a a follower of Christ. And now he he took all these multiple beatings. Peter, we think he was uh, crucified upside down. Well, you say, well, that's not a blessed life. He would say it was. Because he was blessing God and he was in the will of God. Now what David is going to do right after this, he's going to start giving a personal testimony to kind of link this concept of blessing God. He says, in our blessing of God, we are supposed to seek God. And when we do this, we need to understand that when David was seeking God, he's seeking him in a time that he was in fear. He says, he delivered me from all my fears. Which that means is, David is not, like we are sometimes told as Christians, walking around going, I have no fear because I'm David, not God loves me. David was scared. If you can't be delivered from something if you don't have it. Okay, I've been cheer, you know, um, cured from the chicken pox today. Well, I didn't have them, but thank God I'm cured from them. Well, you'd say, okay, John, you really need more sleep. All right, so, you know, don't, don't, whatever you're doing, it's not working for you. It's, it's important to understand that we need to understand that when we're delivered from our fears, it means that we have them. And he is saying this, that we seek God. So what does it mean to seek God? Now, for most people in most religions, uh, when I've been overseas, especially in Southeast Asia, one of the constant things that is going on, especially in the Buddhist temples, is they're seeking after God, they're seeking after nirvana, they're seeking after uh, to get into the Bram, and it's all this different thing. But there's this constant search for God. You know what seeking means right here? It means we know where he is, we just have to go to him. The actual word right here does not mean we're the hide-and-seek kind of thing. Like God's, you know, behind, a, behind something going, oh, can't find me, I'm moving. And we, sometimes we believe that. I've heard people, the, the answer to finding God, God is very visible. He is not hiding. In fact, it always talks about he is actively seeking us. What do we need to do? God, I'm here, and I want you in my life. It's to seek guidance and information for somebody. It is a powerful searching, and it's not confused wandering. This is coming from, I'm going to actually go to where I know you are. Because I think it, when we really study the Word of God and we really pray, we can get a sense of what God wants us to do, but our flesh and our, our, kind of our evil human side will want to go the other direction. But what this is saying is, I will actually listen to what God wants. And when we go God's direction, guess what he's going to do? It says he answered and he delivered. When I decided that I was going to do God's way, God brought me through what I was in. And he goes further, he talks about the concept of those who look to him are radiant. In fact, when you are win God's will, I have seen this with people. I have seen people in wheelchairs that you would say, man, that's a rough life. They are more radiant than somebody who has perfect health. Why is that? Because they are with God. I've seen people that live poor that are so much happier than people I know are rich. Why? Their faces are radiant. They are blessed because they are with God. I, I just love this term here. They look to Him are radiant. Their faces will never be ashamed. They look to Him 
And, and, and you ever get to the point where you're jealous of that? And that's good in some respects. You're like, I want that. Well, guess what? It's, it's available to all of us. And when we stop looking for our own way and start looking for God's way, wherever we are, the Bible says we can find contentment in wherever we are because of God. This, he talks about the poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from his times of trouble in verse 6. What does that mean? Again, think about it. We talked about somebody who had fear. Now we're talking about somebody who was poor. What does it mean Christians can be poor? Yes. Christians cannot have a lot. It's, okay. it's possible for a Christian not to have money, but it's also po- need to understand that God will take care of that person. God has that thing. And he's going to save us from all our troubles. Now verse 7 kind of tells us what really goes on. It talks about the angel of the Lord. We need to understand this concept, and we need to understand this well. We, in a Western mindset, we don't talk about the spiritual world very often, but there is a spiritual warfare that is happening around us all the time. And when we seek after God and we are in God's will, there, are, there is a spiritual force that talks about the angel of the Lord right here, camps around those who fear him and delivers them. There is a fight going on around you where you are. God is defending you and his angel is defending you where you are. And he is fighting for us and destroying enemies around us. And we need to understand that concept that God is doing the battle for us. You may say, I'm in this alone. And you need to understand that you're not in alone because God's got it in his control. He is fighting for us. He has got this in control for us. So we have angels encamping around us. Now, this is, you know, some people might say, well, yeah, I watched the show Touched by an Angel or something like that. Actually, the term here is not just some nice angel talking next to you. This angel that they're describing right here is an avenging, fighting person of enemies. So basically, be like, you know, having the rock or something like, you know, angel just fighting bad guys coming at you. If that helps in your image. That's what it is. It's, the, it's God sending his forces on your behalf to fight off evil for you. I want to be there. I want to be there. It gives us an example. So the second thing that we need to understand is that we need to fear God. And verses 8 through 22 are going to have this whole concept. They're going to start with the word take refuge in God and they're going to end with take refuge in God. It's kind of a, it's a complete circle as it goes. And so we are supposed to, verse 8, you probably have heard this before, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. I've heard people talk about, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see. Basically, this is saying, understand the fact that when you're in God's will, good things, you're going to know good things. You're going to know what it is to be blessed. And so take refuge in him. Again, the word refuge means that we may be refugees. If we need to take refuge, it means that we're in time of need. We are going to have needs. The, another verse that's going to come up is many are the afflictions that happen to the righteous. Again, they happen to us, but what's going to happen is God has a plan for every affliction that comes in our lives. God has a way to twist everything that happens in our life to make it for his glory. And the first thing he wants us to do is fear God. Now, what does it mean to, be, to fear God? If you look at verses 9 and 10, he talks about fearing the Lord his saints, those who fear him have no lack. He is saying 
that we are supposed to follow after God and, and, and to seek Him and to respect what He has in our lives. Because once we fear God, it means that we understand that He has the best path. If you find somebody in your field that is doing well, I, I just think about this constantly. If you want to get ahead, let's say you uh, um, uh, want to be a great uh, salesperson, find somebody who knows how to sell things and find out what they're doing and follow after their tactics. If you want to learn how to be a good husband, find somebody who's a good husband and fi- find out how they're doing it. Find out these things. The fear of the Lord is that same concept. It's a respect beyond respect where you look at that person and say, they have accomplished so many things. I want to learn from this person. We all have those people in our lives. You know, you may want to say, well, I want to be just like this. I want to be a great baseball player. So I'm going to watch great baseball players and learn what they are. If we fear the Lord, we are saying we have so much respect for him, we will do what he has called us to do. Because the natural human reaction is we will pick and choose what we want to do with God. That is the natural thing. We will pick and choose that which we like. When God doesn't interfere with my plans too much, I will trust in him. I will, you know, like the old song, people say if we really sang the songs that we, you know, the way we really believe in our head, the song I Surrender All would be I Surrender Some. As long as it's not inconvenient for me, God, I will follow you. You know, you, know, you are my, most of the time, or the God is my co-pilot one. I, I always enjoy that. God's your co-pilot? Man, God's way better pilot than you are. Get out of that seat. It's just, there's things that we say in Christian, it doesn't make any sense. God is in control. Let him fear the Lord. Fear him in the fact that we respect him so much that we want to be like him, and we want to be like him so we follow what he says. And guess what? It's going to be the opposite of what other people tell you. It's going to be the opposite of what you hear in school, what you hear at work, what you hear from your friends. It's going to be different. And that's good. Because I hate to tell you this, this is not intended to be a slam, but your friends aren't doing that great. It's not like your friends have it all together. Well, I have a friend who has it all together. No, they don't. There's not one person in this world that has it all together. I don't care how much wealth they have, how much whatever. Only God has it all together. You want to follow a trend, you follow after him. Everybody else will fail you. And I think that we as a church, as a church throughout our country, have taken in this concept that, well, we don't want to be too different. We, we might be swimming upstream too much. We, might, we, don't, we don't want to have, we are different. But different is good if it's the right thing. Don't, you know, the dead fish that floats down the river is not the one that's accomplishing anything. It's the one that's swimming upstream that's getting somewhere. And that's who we are. Fear the Lord. Fear Him. Respect Him. Every day, get up and say, God, just think of Jesus Himself when He was on earth. Not my will, but yours be done. If Jesus said that while he was on earth, how much more do I have to say, not my will? If Jesus, who is the Son of God, had to say, my human body wants me to run away from the cross right now, you need to help me do your will. We need that every day. What is the Lord's Prayer? 
Your will be done. Okay? On earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. We want that because he is the one who has the best plan. The next thing we need to do, and as I was writing this, I was thinking to myself, you know what everybody's going to think about my sermon today? This is what was going through my head. These are the simplest things. And can't pastor come up with anything deeper? I mean, it's like, trust God, fear God, please. It's like, I knew that before. And my thought to this is, as I was thinking about that, I'm like, well, I hope they still like it. But, you know, the, the concept that came through in my head is, I didn't write it, first of all. I mean, I take it right out of the Bible. But I think that we hear all these things all the time. Trust in God. That's a good point, brother or sister. Thank you. Then we walk out and we don't trust in God. Fear God. Oh, good point. We don't do it. Run from evil? Oh, yeah. Oh, there's evil over there. Yay. You know, we, we don't do these things. And so the Bible has to keep telling us over and over again. After a while, you start to say, we get it, but do we? Do we get it? I think God's up in heaven saying, maybe I should have given him more times of saying the same thing. So my next point is turn from evil. Guess what? The next point is trust in God. They're not that complicated. They're taken right from the scripture, but we need to hear them. Turn from evil. He says, come children, listen to me. This is verse 11. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who, deliver, who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Turn from evil. He, t- he puts us in the situation where we are supposed to learn. He says, come to God and learn what it is to do what is right. What man is there if he desire life and love many days that he may see good? This is what you need to do. Come to, he says, listen and run away from that which is evil. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. I, I just want to mention this today. What we saw yesterday in Virginia was evil. What we saw was people pitting themselves by race against one another. We turn from that. We turn from that. You may say, well, that's really simple, Pastor. That's a really extreme example. And we need to call that out. We need to call it out and say that's evil. The things that were being spoken there of us, us people versus you people and this people versus that and the hate. The Bible tells us, you know there's a lot of people there that were saying they're Christians? Like the Ku Klux Klan calls themselves the followers of, of God? No, they're not. Because they're doing what is evil. We need to understand the fact that we need to turn from evil. We need to find a way to get you, get us away from evil. Yet we live in a time of evil. We live in an evil time, and it's going to be tough to stay away from evil. Why does it say, lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from evil? Why do we have to be delivered from evil? Because we're in the middle of it. You need deliverance because you're in the middle. Don't lead us into temptation. Why? Because life is just one big temptation waiting for you. God, lead me away from temptation. Get me out of this. Get me away from evil. And listen to God. Keep your tongue from evil. Stop, you know, stop talking <laughs> and saying which is wrong. I, I, I think about the thing in life about gossip. And it's something that I've been, you know, if one sin that I would like to have removed from the church would be gossip. 
And it's this tongue concept of let's talk about somebody and let's just give a, we'll just give them a, we call it creative prayer request, of course, uh, with gossip. We're talking about the person. Well, you heard about that person. Well, you should pray for them. And here's all the gory details that you don't need to know. You know what? Be quiet. <laughs> Keep your tongue from evil. And the best way to do it is to follow the Proverbs, which says the person who doesn't speak very much and speaks well is the wise one. God gives us advice. Keep your tongue from saying evil things about other people. Speak things that are encouraging. I was just talking about it. There are people in life, and I, I, I would love to put together a composite of this. When you're with them, you walk away feeling great. And you can identify those people in your life where just you feel great just being around them. And there are other people you just need to you know, take a nap or something after you're with them because you feel like life is over and they just, you know, turn to God. Speak that which is true. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Stop lying, is what I'm saying, or saying things that aren't correct. Stop calling something godly when it's not. Seek peace and pursue it. Follow after what God has called us to do. And I think that that's important in our life. We need to understand this fact that this is a constant turning from evil that we will have to do. This is not a, okay, everybody, raise your hand. I will turn from evil. I will turn from evil. Thank you. We're done. This is a continuous thing every day. Why is the Lord's Prayer continually lead us not into temptation, but deliver us continually from evil? From evil. Deliver us. Deliver us. Deliver us. Trust in God is the next thing. The eyes of the Lord, need to understand, are towards the righteous and his ears towards their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the, from the earth. We need to see that God is looking out for those who are righteous. And his ears are towards the cries of those who are righteous. Now you may say to yourself, who is righteous? Does this mean that God loves perfect people? Well, God would love a perfect person if they existed but they don't exist. They really just don't exist in life. What does it mean to be righteous? It means that we are followers after Christ. We are righteous because of Christ in our lives. And because of that, his eyes are are on us and his ears towards our cries. Again, why are we crying? Because we're hurting. Because this life, I know I'm not bringing the good news in some respects on this, is going to cause some tears in your life. You're going to have some times when you're going to be crying out to God because you're hurting. But what does it say? God's up in heaven. Come on, buck it up. You're a Christian. You should never have to do this. Don't you understand? You have faith. Ugh. You know? No, God's saying he is towards us. He is listening. And his eyes are on us. What does it mean that God's eyes are on us? It means that he has got the situation under control. You're going to have times of tears, but he is there to rescue us. When the righteous cry for help, it says in verse 17, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed spirit, it says in verse 18. And it says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. What does this mean? First of all, we talked about the concept that God's paying attention. The righteous... Of, are of God, not ourselves. Uh, and the face of God, it also says, is against all who do evil. 
So we need to also understand that we think about what happened yesterday. And we think about this and we say, where was God in this situation? Where was God when all these babies have been killed from abortion? Where is God when all of this evil happens? God is there to punish evil. It is not our job. We need to understand that he is looking. He is not caught unaware. He has us under his control. But we are blessed when we put our trust in him and we understand the fact that, like in verse 17, when the righteous cries for help, the Lord hears. Now, I can guarantee you one thing. I do not hear everything that people tell me. And I think everybody else can say that truly in their lives. Have you ever listened to somebody and then realized that you have no idea what they're talking about? I might, I'm the only one. Okay. I'm going to have to confess. Is anybody able to do counseling later with me? Because I guess I'm the only one. And the concept is we hear but we don't really hear. But it says here, when the righteous cries for help, the Lord hears and delivers them. God hears every cry to him. God in heaven hears your prayers. Why are we blessed? Because when we're going through a tough time, we have a God in heaven who hears and delivers us. We are never alone. We are never in a place where God is not there for us. He is there whenever we do. Because the righteous cry and he's there for us. And he delivers us because why? Because he has power over wicked. He has power over all situations. Remember back the, the angel of the Lord? He is able to defeat any enemy that is in front of us. Nothing is in God's way that he can't handle. So trust in God for a blessed life. Trust in him when you cry to him that he hears. You don't have to say, you know, I think sometimes in prayer, sometimes if you ever ask somebody to pray, and they say, well, I don't know how to pray. My thought is, God knows how to hear no matter how badly we pray. You may think, I don't know how to pray. Only the pastor knows how to pray. I've talked about it before. There are a lot of people, especially those um, maybe that are somewhat acquainted with the church, but even some that are very much into church, who believe that pastors have a red phone in their office. Now, if you were part of the, remember the Cold War, there was a red phone that the president could lift up and he could talk right to the Soviets. And it's this special line that nobody had. And people think that pastors, well, when the pastor prays, it's a red phone right to God. God's up in heaven going, okay, that person is, just sits in the fourth row. Yeah. Ooh, the pastor's praying. Well, now I'm going to listen. No, God's up in heaven going, I hear everything. I can handle everything. I hear your cries. You may say, I'm crying out to God. Does he hear me? It says right here, the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers. Now we talked about last week, it's not, maybe not be on our time, but he is here to deliver you. And deliverance may be, and we don't want to hear this, going through the situation, not being taken out of the situation. Now that's a tough one to hear. Because we think to ourselves, this is, I mean, in our understanding of, and this is why the blessed life comes out, is people say a blessed life is we don't have any troubles. We're never a refugee. We're never poor. We're never crying. We never need any help because God is out of taking care of. No, the opposite of us, we need to understand the fact that God is with us and can take us through everything. It even talks about the brokenhearted. Why are we brokenhearted? Because we live in a world that's going to hurt us. 
People are going to let us down, but God never will. We need to understand this. 21 and 22 as it ends here. Afflictions will slay the wicked. Those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. I think of Romans 8.28 on this right here. The affliction of the wicked, those who hate the righteous will be condemned. You go back to many of the afflictions of the righteous. That tells you that we're going to go through tough times even though we are righteous. And a lot of this is going to come from persecution from those who are wicked in in our lives. But the Lord redeems the life of his servants. None who take refuge in him will be condemned. First of all, we have this hope that we are blessed. In this life, you may say to yourself, I don't have the car. I don't have the money. I don't have the health. I don't have the relationships that I want. But I'll tell you this. If you are saved, you are blessed beyond anything that you will ever need in your life. You'd say, well, I I want those other things too. And you know what? Those are not bad things to want. Those are not things, bad things to cry out to God for. If you're here and you say, I want to be in a relationship. I'm tired of being single. Call out to God. That is not a bad request. God, I need a job. Will you help me find a job? Yes. God wants to help you find a job. I am poor, God. Help me to meet my needs. Yes, good things. But I will tell you this. No matter what happens in your life, you are blessed because you are redeemed. You are not condemned. Your life, there are, do you realize what people uh, before us, do you realize what is happening in China with Christians where they're losing their jobs, where they're penniless because they won't, be, they, because of their Christian faith? They are poor and, and they are redeemed and they have hope because of it. They're hurting, but God is there for them. The other thing, like I said in Romans 8, 28, God will take anything that happens in our life. What makes us blessed is he will make anything in our lives become something good. It'll make it a blessing to someone. It'll make it a blessing to us or a blessing that God turns everything into good. If you've gone through a time of hurt, gone through a time of pain, you say, well, that, how can that be good? It's, that action is not good. It's what God does with it that makes it good. God makes us a witness to other people because you know what? Pain, pain is a part of this life. Affliction is a part of this life. But God says, I will make something good out of the pain that happens in your life. I will make you a blessing to others. You may be put in the hospital right now and you may be put in the hospital and suffering pain. You know what your purpose may be? I pray this every time I visit somebody in the hospital. Lord, make this person a blessing to everybody else who's in this hospital. And you may say, well, I'm in pain. How can I be a blessing? Because the other person next to you is in pain too. Just for the record, the nurse who's, who's there with you may be just hurting more than you are emotionally. The doctor who's serving you, the person who's uh, bringing your food, there's opportunities to, to share and be a blessing wherever you are. God says he will find a way for us to bless others while we are going through di- difficult times. He will find a way to bless us during that time. And I've had times when I've been a terrible time, horrible things going on in my life. And you know what's happened for me? I've had a chance to be a blessing to somebody else, and it lifts me out of my bad attitude. It lifts me out of my, what's horrible going on in my life. Because I'm like, you know what? That was awesome. Yeah, I still hurt a little bit, but that was great. 
So my blowing out a tire and having all these horrible things happen and losing a job or having to move or whatever, it's become a blessing to other people and God has used me in a way I didn't know I was possible. And you know what? God's smarter than we are. Okay? God knows the plan for your life. And when you say to yourself, well, if God knew he would have me give, give me this, 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 and this, thank God he doesn't answer prayers that aren't in his path. He's got a path for you and he has a blessed life for you. As we trust in him, as we turn from evil, we fear God and we bless him, which means we come to him with everything we have and we align ourselves with him. Why don't you stand with me right now? As our prayer ministers come forward, what I want to talk about is, first of all, if you're here today, it talks about the righteous so many times within this verse. And sometimes we think of these words. There are two words that sometimes we get wrong. First of all, is righteous. And I've even said this myself. I'm no saint. Guess what? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have accepted him in your life, he has washed your sins away, he has forgiven of your sins, first of all, you are declared righteous. Second of all, you are a saint. And you may say, I sure don't feel like a saint, because our standard of saint is something different than what God's standard is. It's what he has done for us. So if you're here today and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you are not righteous. And you may say, well, that's kind of a harsh statement because nobody is righteous on their own. Because there's not a person here, if we sat down with them and said, okay, you know, we, we all have people in our minds like, well, not like, well, Mother Teresa. We can think of like, she was never having problems. You know, Mother Teresa had probably some bad attitudes sometimes. What about this person? They, Billy Graham, he's, Billy Graham struggles with things too. He, on his own, he is not righteous. On his own, he is not a saint. But because of what God has done for him, he is. And everybody here has that opportunity. And it talks about all the blessings that come and the blessed life we have because we are a saint. And so if you need to make that commitment, today is the day to make that commitment. Lord, I want you to come into me and make me righteous. Make me a saint. Start to change my life from the inside out. But for the rest of us, it's time for us to start blessing God. It's time for us to put our line, line up everything. All the little things that I had with it really come back to line yourself up with God's will. Line yourself up with what he wants for your life. And he doesn't want you to be an evil. He doesn't want you to have these things going on in your life. He wants to take you on the righteous path. And because of that, bless God today. Bless God with turning your life over to him. Understanding that he has the best plan. Turn from evil. You know what? Tomorrow, when you go out, whether you, whoever you meet, there's going to be temptation out there tomorrow. There's going to be people telling you to go completely the opposite way. There are going to be people telling you this God way is not going to work for you. You need to go this way. Trust God because he has the best plan for you and he knows what it is to have a blessed life for you. Lord, we thank you today. We thank you for your your spirit, God. We thank you, God, that you have given us a plan to be blessed. You've given us a plan, God, that we can say, no matter what is happening in our lives today, that we are blessed. No matter what hurt we have, no matter what suffering we may be going through, that we are blessed. 
Lord, David knew what it was like to struggle. He knew what it was like to have people trying to kill him. He knew what it was like to have his own son turn on him. He knew what it was like to, to uh, commit murder and have to ask forgiveness for God. There's so many things that he understands, but he knows what it's like to be, to be blessed, and that is following after you. And when we follow after you, God, we have such a great opportunity to see life. Lord, let us bless you today by making our commitment today that we are going to follow after you, that we are going to follow your path, not our own. We're going to turn over everything we have, God, and daily say, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Your will be done in my life. We ask this now in the name of Jesus. Amen. You are dismissed.